my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. Um, it's just a real joy to, uh, to get to serve you this morning. I'm not too sure whether we actually need to have a preach, because uh, it feels like God's been saying so much to us uh, this morning. Certainly loved being in his presence, but I suppose sometimes his word comes to just reinforce um, a bit of what we've been hearing this morning. And um, it's my, my prayer that we can engage with him again. I'm just going to be speaking briefly. I won't go on for too long because, like I said, we've had uh, quite a lot uh, this morning. But just a few things that I feel the Lord's been highlighting for me uh, during this hunger season. is the last, the last Sunday of our hunger season. But my prayer is that we don't stop hungering after God after today but actually becomes a part and parcel of our lives that every moment we're hungering after God and seeking to enjoy him and seeking to love him. I hope that it becomes the norm that as his people, we just hunger after him. As his people, we just yearn for him. As his people, we just love his presence. Um, it was interesting just uh, to commend our, our kids' work as we were getting ready to leave the house. And uh, my wife and I have two little boys, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and a five-year-old wanted to leave the house with five Bibles. Now, my wife and I have not been, we're not getting into any dodgy business at home, I can assure you. So he's wanting to leave the house with five Bibles. And mom says, you don't, you don't need five, what, do you, what are you going to do with five Bibles? And he says, no, no, I, I want to go into the meeting with five Bibles. I think the kids workers have been encouraging them to come with their Bibles. So mom says, but you don't need five. Our five-year-old looks at mom and he says, no, I need to take five so I can get five chocolates. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, I did not teach him that, I can assure you. So he wanted to come in with five Bibles. So brilliant. I think that came from mom. Um, just quickly, it's um, just a few verses from 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, actually from one of my, uh, my favorite characters in the Bible, and um, none other than the, the Shunammite woman. Uh, she's such an amazing character, and we'll be discovering in the next couple of, of minutes. In 2 Kings um, chapter 4, from verses 8 to 10, it says to us, one day, Elisha went to Shunem. If you don't know where two kings is, I'm not sure where it is either. It's somewhere in the Bible. I can, I can say for setting it's in the Old Testament. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Amazing. We, we encounter this woman in, in two kings in the Bible. We, we are not told her name, so she comes across as, as a nameless woman. I don't know why the Bible doesn't tell us her name. We just know her to be a woman who lived in Shunem. And so in some references, she's referred to as the Shunemite woman. 
So she's nameless, but she lived in Shunem. The Bible also says to us she was, she was a wealthy woman. We also discover from the fact that she actually urged Elisha to come and have a meal in her home that she was probably very hospitable. She loved to have people uh, come round hers. Another key thing we, we note from these verses is the fact that when Elisha came the first time, obviously she invited him to come again, which tells us that she was most likely pleased with Elisha. And so she said, oh, come again, come again. Another key thing we discover is the fact that this woman was also desirous of the presence of Elisha. So she wasn't just pleased with him, but she, she wanted to spend time in his company. Another key thing I discovered reading these verses is the fact that this woman of Shunem was also very familiar with the ways of God. She wasn't just somebody who went with every doctrine of wind. She, she certainly knew the ways of God. And I am aware that particularly in this hunger season, God's been speaking some exciting things to us as his people. God's been highlighting some things for you as an individual or as families. God's been, been showing us how he's wanting to lead us. We've had some key words come through. And I think that as his people, we ought to be those who are familiar with the times and the seasons and know what God is doing amongst us so that we do not miss out when he comes in. It is very clear that our meetings have changed. They are no longer like they used to be. And I think that for some people we can go, oh, hold on. I don't really like it that way. But who are we to say we don't like it that way if God says this is how I want it to be? Do you see what I mean? And so it's very important that we, we continue to be familiar or familiarize ourselves with what the Lord is seeking to do amongst us as a people. This woman of Shunem was familiar with the ways of the Lord. So she could turn around and say to her husband, that man, there's something unique about that man. I think he is, no, I know, I don't just think, I know he is a holy man of God. And I think that I just want to pause here and just ask you, what has the Lord been highlighting for you in this season? What has the Lord been, been speaking to you in this season? What has the Lord been seeking to show you in this season? Is he opening up some new adventures for you? Is he drawing you into a deeper relationship with him? Is he wanting you to trust him more? Is he wanting you to continually declare his praises? What has he been seeking to show you in this season? Or what has he been seeking to teach you in this season? For this woman of Shunem, her response was a radical one. She knew this man was a holy man of God. So she says to her husband, I, I know. Now, I don't just want to know, I want to respond in a certain way. And her response, I love this one to bits, her response is completely radical, like nothing we have seen before. She turns to her husband 
I'm not too sure what I would have done if my wife said that to me. But she turns to her husband and says, I think we should make him a room in the roof of our home. So that whenever he's here, he doesn't just come to eat with us, but he actually, he actually has a place to stay. Think about the first person who ever thought roof extensions. Amazing, isn't it? She says, no, we're not just going to have him come through, but actually, let's make a room in our home for him. Now, that is, that is a pretty big deal. I, 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 mean, I know that when, when we've had friends come to stay with us, I mean, suddenly everything changes. It becomes clear that I don't always do the dishes on time, and they'll find that I'm not, I'm not tidy and all. She was basically, she was making herself vulnerable in saying to her husband, let's make a room for him. It was a pretty huge step she was taking. And I think in this season of hungering after God and making space to seek God, I feel that God would want to challenge us and say, I, I want to come into your home. I want to step in fully. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock and I want to come in. He's not going to force himself as he knocks on that door. Do you know what? There's something special about that door. He has just one handle, like somebody says, and the handle is on your end. So Jesus knocks, the handle is on your end. Only you can open that door and let him in. But he says, in this season, I, I want to come in. I want to come in and dine with you. I want to come in and do life with you. Gone are the days when we just left God on a cell, kept God to a Sunday morning. No, I want to do Monday with you. I want to do Tuesday with you. At work, I want to be there with you. When you're with your mates, I, I want to be there with you. I want to do life with you. When you're going for a walk, on the seafront, I want you to know that I'm there and I want to do life with you. In the rubbish moments, I want you to know that I am there with you. When you're on the mountain tops and it's all exciting, I, I, I want you to know that I'm there with you. I want to do life with you. Would you let me in? I no longer want to just come and have a meal on a Sunday morning, have some fellowship and like, no, I want to come and make my dwelling with you. And that is pretty serious business. I want to come and dwell with you. It calls for some radical changes. I want to come and make my home with you. That's a pretty huge step. Sorry, Simon, I wanted to warn you, but I'd have to say it. When we first arrived in England, Simon and Kate hosted us in their home. I'm guessing, I mean, you, you, you kind of like, you knew us a bit, so because we'd hosted your daughters when they came out to Ghana, but I wouldn't say you knew us very well. It was a pretty big deal for them to say, come and stay with us. You gave us room in your home. In fact, you gave us rooms in the, in the roof of your house. Praise God for that. But you gave us room in your home. And I... I just, I know I've said it before, but I just want to say thank you for giving us a home in your home. It meant so much to us. But you welcomed us in. 
you, you, I mean, your wife we cooked for us every single day. You were there. You would encourage me because obviously I, was, I wasn't too sure what I was doing in this country. I do love this country and all that, but I just wasn't too sure what we were doing here as a family. And you would encourage. You gave us home. And, but I guess for you guys as well, it meant lots of changes. Now you had to accommodate new people. And God says, I want to come and dwell with you. The Shunammite's response is amazing. She did some practical things. She says, for this special room, we want to put in some pretty significant things. The Bible says to us, she says we're putting a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. First, we're putting a bed. I think it speaks of rest. It speaks of a sense of feeling at home. We want to put in a bed so when the man of God comes, he can, he can feel at home. We don't want him to come and then he, he doesn't know whether he's at home or not. No, we're going to put in a bed so that when he's tired, he can, he can have a lie in. We want him to feel at home. I don't think you, you, you welcome and invite just anybody and anyone into your home, especially you don't give anyone and everybody a bed in your home, no. It's one thing having people run for a meal, another thing saying, actually, come and stay. It is a big deal to say, come and stay. And this woman was saying, we will put a bed in there so that when he comes, he can, he can feel at home. I think it's a way of us saying, I want you to come and make yourself at home in my life. It's a way of us saying to Jesus, I want you to come and just feel at home in my life. She putting a bed. She also putting a table. And I think there's some significance about the table. I think it's an invitation to dine with a king. We had a few weeks back, or was it just last week, about this table that the Father lays before us. It's an invitation to come and sit at the table with a king who is Jesus. This woman was saying, I want to have a table in there. I want a situation where we, we can dine, we can continue to have fellowship, fellowship with the king. I want to be able to sit at your feet. I want to gaze on the beauty of my risen Lord and Savior. I want to be able to look Jesus in the face and declare, I love you. I want to be able to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to be able to take my eyes off every other thing and fix my eyes on Jesus. A table for fellowship. I want to be able to come and eat the greatest of fare, the greatest of food. I want to be able to have fellowship with my king, who is Jesus. I had an amazing story about zebras. You know, they, they are not in zoos. So zebras live mainly in the eastern part of Africa, in the plains and all that. And it was quite an interesting story. Apparently, when the mother zebra has a baby... For the first few days, she takes the baby away from all the other zebras. The reason is this. When you see the zebras with all their stripes and all that, they all look the same, don't they? 
but apparently no two zebras have the same stripes. They are all unique. I found that quite fascinating. So no two have the same, they are all unique. So mother zebra takes the baby away and for the first few days, all she does is to get baby to stir and to gaze and to look at her. Not just look, but to also get used to her smell and then her voice. So that when baby zebra finally comes out and sees the numerous striped zebras in the midst of all those zebras, baby zebra knows my mom in the midst. You just see black and white, black and white. Black. No, 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 no. The babies know who their mom is. And they can tell by mom's stripes, mom's voice, and then mom's smell. But it doesn't happen automatically. Mom deliberately takes the baby away in the first few days, enjoys company with the baby. I think in this season, the Lord is wanting to do the same with each one of us. Spend time with me. Get to know me. Get to know my voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my, get to know his voice. Get to know the things that excite him. Get to know the things that he doesn't. Spend time with your creator. Spend time with your king. Spend time with your savior. So that when you are out in the wild and you hear all these voices, guess what? You know the voice of your shepherd. When you're out in the wild and there's all these things that want your attention, guess what? You know your savior. When we are out in the wild and suddenly we don't know which way to go, you know what? We know which way he wants us to go. So spend time with him. Thirdly, she also put in a chair. I think it speaks of, of the throne of God. Who, who is it that reigns in your life or who reigns in our lives? Who sits on the throne of our hearts? Who does? Is it Jesus? Who have we enthroned in our hearts and in our lives? Who is king of your life? Who has the final say in your life? Jesus would say, Art, I want to be king because I have good plans for you. I made you for a purpose. I made you for a reason. And then she also said to her husband, let's put in a lamp that will shine so that at night maybe he can read if he wanted to with a light. I think that's, this speaks of, of, of the truth of God in our lives. Flowing obedience as we hear the truth of God's word. Let, 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 let our hearts be stirred. May we be a people who shine forth the light of God. May we be a people who, even though might find ourselves living in a very dark world, we continue to reflect him each day. We continue to shine forth 
the glory of God in a very, very, very dark world. But it starts with us learning to be obedient to his truth. It starts with us learning to be obedient to his word. So she says, I will put in a lamp there. Let your light shine, church. Let your light shine, church. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Arise and shine for your light has come. Let your light shine in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your communities. Let your light. You don't have to go and stand on the ground floor and go, I'm letting my light. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Just let Jesus shine through you. It could be a kind word. You know, it could be you reaching out with hands to serve. It could be you actually making room for somebody to, you know, to take the first place. They go, just things like that. God, God himself will, he will equip you. He will empower us. But let your light shine as I finish off. Just some practical bits and then I'll end. stuff for us to reflect on. Have you made room for God in your life? I suppose if you're already a child of God, brilliant. There's still lots of room you can make for him. If you're here and you do not as yet have a living relationship with Jesus, I want to say to you, you see, when he comes in, he, he comes with power to clean up all those bits that you feel, no, I don't want him to see. No, he, he loves the coming. And he comes and he wouldn't judge. He comes to equip and to help because on our own, we cannot do it. And so when he comes in and the floor is messy, guess what? He gets the hoover and he hoovers the floor. When he comes, if he went into my kitchen now at home, all the dishes are, are piled up. No, usually at home, I do... I, do, I love cleaning. I do the dishes. My wife does all the cooking and stuff, but then he, she piles them up for me, and then I do all the washing up. I do. I love that. But if you went into my our kitchen now, the dishes are oh, there's a bit of a pile. But he comes in and he says, hold on, I'll, I'll do the dishes. He goes into the bedroom and the, the bed is and He says, no, no, I'll do it. He, he goes in and then goes to the washing basket and he says, no, I'll, do, I'll, do the, I'll do the washing as well. That's why Jesus came. It was because we could not do it ourselves. And so when you let him in, he comes to help you. He even cleans the windows and all that. And your house is looking all shiny. When you let him in. He comes to clear all the rubbish. He comes to help us. So let him in. Sorts out the sofas and things like that. He comes to make it clean. Secondly, have you prepared a place for him? Does he sit on your throne? Who are you having fellowship with? Question for us to consider. Who are you having fellowship with? And then finally, are we walking in obedience to him? It's never an easy one, but he says he will give us power. He says he will equip us. 
There's got to be a willingness. This woman teaches us that she was willing to go radical. No, I'm going to make room. I'm going to do a bit of an extension and have the presence of God in there. This morning, God says, in this hunger season and beyond, making space to seek God. I want you to make space in your hearts for me. I want you to make space in your lives for me because I want to come in. I'm just going to pray and then we'll finish. Father, thank you for just your work in our hearts. Thank you, you are a God who doesn't sit enthroned in the heavens, but you actually, you came down to earth. You became man. You walked this earth. You went to the cross for us. Your body was broken and your blood shed for us. You died on that cross. You were buried, but on the third day, you rose victorious. And you are alive forever. This morning, we want to say, we love you, Jesus. We say we, we adore you. Receive our adoration. Jesus, we say you're amazing. And we also want to, just in this place of surrender, say we, we, want, to, we want to open our hearts again. We want to unlock that door and have you coming. We, we know there's lots of mess in there. But we thank you that you, you don't come for the healthy. You come for those who ultimately need help. And then we want to say we need your help. And so would you come? Come and help us with the things that we struggle with. Come and help us with the things that we cannot even talk about. Come and just have your way in our hearts. Jesus, we thank you.